if allowed to develop um, in the way that it's developing at the moment, this will have a huge impact. Um, it will, um, it will change the world. Well, I'm terribly frightened by the problem of LSD. So I grew up with the idea that uh, psychedelics were the worst possible thing that you could consume. That if you took a psychedelic, you were guaranteed to end up in an insane asylum and to be on medication for the rest of your life to recover from what you had done. And that you should just stay a far away from those, these types of drugs if you want to live a happy, healthy, normal life. This is your brain. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. And that, you know, that wasn't just a kind of, um, you know, my parents saying it or, you know, some sort of myth or, you know, so some, this was absolutely rock solid uh, fact that would, would have been put out everywhere. LSD user hangs self. LSD user commits suicide. Yes, it's true. You know, this, this wasn't just some sort of kind of idea that I grew up with. This was absolutely everywhere and it was absolute, you know, it was clear. You just stay away from that. And it was, as far as I was concerned, that was education and you were educated to stay away from those sorts of things. There's nothing uh, grown up or sophisticated in taking an LSD trip at all. They're just being complete fools. Anyone that would engage in this or indulge in this is just a plain fool. Years later, I happened to stumble upon those, you know, those um, Kickstarter campaigns. Well, I stumbled upon a Kickstarter campaign and uh, it was a Kickstarter campaign by these guys in the Nordics who wanted to get funding in order to be able to make MDMA and psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, in order to make those two um, chemicals uh, legal. Uh, and I thought, Right, well, these are just a couple of guys taking the piss, but uh, I, I didn't actually think it was serious, but then when I looked into it, I thought, okay, this is very serious. To our crowdfunding campaign, you support the production of medical-grade MDMA and psychedelics for use in medical practice, research, and other legal purposes around the world. Emma Sophia was founded by researchers Terry Krebs and Paul Orian Johansson. Their research has been featured in Nature, BBC World News, Scientific American, and other global media. And then, I suppose I was just intrigued by that, and then I you know, stumbled upon more and more and more and more articles, and then some TED Talks, all pointed to something that was just so poles apart from everything that I had learned growing up. This is Ben. He suffered from depression for 30 years. And in that time, he tried everything, CBT, group therapy, a list of medications prescribed to him by his doctor, and nothing helped. In June 2015, he was given psilocybin, and since that time, he has been depression-free. Not only have the symptoms of his depression gone, but in the last year, he has done an acting course, a printing course, he's flown on a plane for the first time in a decade, and his career and social life are flourishing. I can't show you his face because magic mushrooms are an illegal psychedelic drug and he's asked to remain anonymous.
Again, I, I wanted to find out more and um, so I, I did. I went over to, I found out about a conference that was on in Amsterdam and there's another one in Prague, but I went over to the one in um, Amsterdam and this wasn't a conference, um, you know, like five people in a room going on about something. This was a significantly organized worldwide conference with a thousand odd attendees and countless numbers of presenters and scientists and researchers talking about the work that they had done in psychedelics. So, I mean, again, I just thought this was a bit mind-blowing. And, and the main mind-blowing thing that I found out of it was that this wasn't just, you know, this wasn't just happening in a couple of cases. This was happening all over the world and that the research had almost magical um, results. That good drug effects working in synergy with good therapy to lift the veil on the mind and exercise what lies beneath. It can truly work like a dream. People, you know, whether it was people suffering from depression and who could not be treated and then suddenly in a matter of months were seeing relief. Like in a matter of months. And uh, then, you know, people giving up cigarettes as a result of taking magic mushrooms. And, but that everything that was talked about wasn't just, you know, one or two people's experience. This was done by scientists who were happy to be proved wrong. Okay, a little bit of health news for you. A single dose of psychedelic magic mushrooms can make people with severe anxiety and depression feel better for months. I, I was lucky enough to get talking to somebody called Dr. Robin Carhart Harris, who's a neuroscientist, and he seems to be at the forefront of the actual research um, that's going on. And then um, I got talking to a lady called Amanda Fielding, and Amanda Fielding has been, this has been her life's work. The field of psychedelic science is certainly an abundant orchard with much low-hanging fruit, and I feel confident that it will grow exponentially, making the world a happier place. Thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to find out exactly where the fears came from and really ask more questions and find out a little bit more um, for my own self exactly what all what the research and where it was going and what their plans were and um, that's what I did. Well, I would say the fear of the psychedelics yeah. have a rational um, core and also an irrational one which has been put on by a hysteria from the media and the governments and all of that. Mm -hmm. The rational one is that the state brought about by a psychedelic has um, has shared characteristics with insanity. That's the interesting thing. That's the duality of the experience. The loss of the control of the default mode network mm -hmm. is also experienced in uh, schizophrenia or um, psychotic states. Yeah. So that is a kind of innate, realistic fear. But the hysteria which was put on it came from the 60s when basically the government with the media backing it up um, thoroughly overreacted and threw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm. You know, actually the 60s brought in um, a love at least in spirituality, healthy living, looking after the environment, mm. new music and art. Most of it was very benign. Mm. 
true there was an element of it being um, used inappropriately. Yeah, like there is with everything. Yeah. Like the, uh, um, which was a pity. But it was really the government's panicking, the American government panicking that the youth wouldn't want to go and fight in Vietnam, you know, the pictures of putting the yeah. flower in the rifle. Yeah. That panicked the establishment. And um, so the harms were exaggerated. Mm -hmm. It's like every death from ecstasy has front page news. Mm -hmm. Actually, three million people a year are dying from alcohol. Five million people a year are dying from nicotine. Yeah. But does one ever hear about those five million? No. Basically not. Uh, the topic tonight is the hippies, an understanding of whom we must, I guess, acquire or die painfully. The word hippie mm -hmm. has suddenly got bad connotations. Oh, yes. They're so unrealistic. Yes. Where did they come from with this peace and love thing? Yeah. Now, yeah. how did that get twisted? Where somebody yeah. was talking about love yeah. and happiness yes. and dressing any way you wanted right. and being totally carefree. Yeah. How did that suddenly yeah. I mean, it's get twisted to be evil? Oh, where yeah. I mean, they're just way off. They, they're bums. They don't want to do anything with their lives. Yes. I mean, I, I find that it's phenomenal. funny because I mean, they certainly weren't kind of evil and harmful. One could say they were silly, or maybe they didn't um, contribute. But in a way, they did contribute. They're wanting to yeah. contribute a healthy attitude to the environment. Well, that's what you talked um, about, food and art yes. and music. I, it's, 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 it's just amazing. Yeah. I think the other thing, the establishment panicked. Establishments, ruling classes, don't like the slave caste getting out of control, mm. you know. We yeah. like the rulers and we like, you know, the, the workers to yeah. obey the rule and like to go to work in the underground and be good, obedient workers. And no ruling class likes, um, you know, people suddenly saying, ah, ah we, we actually um, would like to hang out in the sun today or yeah. something. Do you know what I mean? Uh, there was no violence. I was enchanted by them. That was the flower power and flower generation. And the people in San Francisco were rather grateful that all these kids instead of causing trouble, were trying to spread love and flowers. But it got overdone. I mean, I think um, Timothy Leary did quite a lot of damage. Mm. What would they turn on, drop out, etc. As that poisonous, evil man, Dr. Timothy Leary. Because schools, education today, is the worst narcotic drug of all. Don't politic. Don't vote. These are old men's games. Impotent and senile old men that want to put you onto their uh, old chess games of war and power. Drop out. Uh, tune in with natural things. Um, I personally feel, you know, it's better to stay in and see how we can use this energy yeah. and knowledge to better the world, to make the world a happier place. I've been researching psychedelics for seven years or so, I met David Nutz about 11 years ago and I told him I wanted to study the brain on LSD. I had an idea that the brain in the psychedelic state might look like the dreaming brain. So I was especially keen to investigate that. I was deeply interested in psychology and, and depth psychology, psychoanalysis particularly. And I thought it wasn't um, really given the the sort of platform, scientific platform, that maybe 
its ideas warranted and also they're very you know they have profound implications the ideas of the existence of an unconscious mind driving our behavior and such like um, I could think of few things that are as impactful really than things that are governing our behavior that we're not conscious of. So I set up the Beckley Foundation in order to undertake scientific research into how they work in the human brain and how this can be beneficial for um, the individual and yeah. indeed for society. And that was a long time ago when it was very taboo to do this research. Mm -hmm. so it was virtually impossible. Yeah. And therefore I had to spend a lot of time changing drug policy in order to enable one to do the research. Okay. And now the happy time has come when the results from the research is so positive that it in turn will hopefully change drug policy. Yes. So the two are interwoven. Okay. But my particular passion is the research and the science. Yeah. Through the lens of a scientist or a clinician, you look at a particular phenomenon, we might look at how the drug works in the brain or whether it can be useful in depression. So for example, take the latter, seeing changes where people who are suffering a great deal have tried all the available treatments and don't respond and then respond to psilocybin. Uh, that's a big deal. Um, you know, showing a um, normalization in many respects of their attitudes and, and their outlook, their perspective, and normalization meaning bringing them back to health. Um, the use of psilocybin, the active ingredient of the magic mushroom, yeah. as an aid in the therapeutic treatment of addiction, in this case to nicotine. Mm -hmm. So it was people who were treatment resistant to nicotine mm -hmm. and um, had tried several ways of giving up. And, well, with that study, it was a small pilot study and it took a long time because we did it on a very small budget, um, there was an 80% success rate, which is really kind of unique. That's why I think those in the know know that this is um, this is deserving of, of the kind of um, excitement that the area is attracting at the moment. I think those in the know know that if allowed to develop um, in the way that it's developing at the moment, this will have a huge impact. Um, it will um, it will change the world. Um, it will change psychiatry um, because all of a sudden we'll have these holistic treatments that treat the whole of the individual the whole of their mind uh, rather than just um, taking the edge off things yeah. um, like medications mainstream medications do and also facilitating psychotherapy that often um, makes little progress and, and can be lengthy and expensive and people patients struggle to engage with so yeah it will change psychiatry and it can change psychology because at the moment I think you could say that mainstream psychology doesn't really acknowledge the existence of the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Characters like Carl Jung, Sigmund Freud, um, what they've contributed in terms of understanding the whole of the human psyche, uh, those ideas are generally considered sort of um, poetic rather than scientific. Yeah. So bringing those in um, uh, will 
you know, change psychology in terms of some of the empirical work that will be able to be done with psychedelics. Now, one of the classic psychedelics, which has become the kind of Cinderella, um, unfortunately, because of the 60s, is LSD. Yeah. There are hardly three more toxic letters in yeah. our vocabulary, which is completely unfair, because it's an amazing compound. Mm. It's non-toxic, it works at minuscule amounts, yeah. and brings about changes in consciousness without any toxicity, um, which can be amazingly useful for medicine. And in the 50s and 60s, before it got uh, made illegal, uh, there was a lot of research going on with, it was considered the new wonder drug in psychotherapy yeah. for um, addiction and depression. And uh, So that's been very much my dedication to open up the doors to research into LSD. Mm. And we did that finally um, completed our first study earlier this year, which got worldwide um, publicity because it was the first brain imaging study ever. Yeah. And it shows... Was that psilocybin? Um, this, is, this is LSD. LSD, okay. Um, and this just shows, this is the, the brain on placebo, or, or no, this is a visual center. So this is the activity under normal circumstances, and this is the activity, connectivity, under LSD. And you can just see how the brain suddenly is all lit up, and that means that the visual part of the brain is being informed by memory and emotion, mm. and the whole brain is interconnected. It's working as it should. So it's similar, yes. is it Robin who put up the slide that showed, uh, that said it's similar to the brain scan of a child? It's much more similar yeah. to the brain child, the brain of a child, because the, this default mode and its associated uh, repressive networks yeah. are installed. We aren't born with them. We develop them with conditioning. There are several ways to quit smoking cigarettes: patches, gum, cold turkey. But new research from Johns Hopkins University says heavy cigarette smokers might need to take a trip to kick the habit. And by take a trip, I mean take shrooms. You will, you'll know you're much closer, I'd say, if pharmaceutical companies are suddenly saying, are suddenly talking about all this research and trying to diminish it. Yeah, yeah. And they, they don't like it because they like expensive pills which you have to take every day. Forever. They, can, they love um, that. Yeah, yeah, of course. They don't want something which is cheap. I mean, how do you make your money out of a psychedelic? You know, maybe you you take it once a month. But they're not in the business of making people well. Yeah. That is, that's the, that's yeah. the horrible thing. And Because if they did make people well really quickly, they'd yeah. be out of business. Yeah. So somebody has to have that conversation. Yeah. You're not in the business of making people well. Yes. yes. End of. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And then you think of outside of academia, and this is the sort of challenging thing and may be the reason why this work was halted in the first place is that people don't just uh, gain exposure to these compounds through research you know the much bigger exposure happens through exploration you know otherwise called recreational use um, you know um, and 
I think there's it's interesting that interface between the scientists and this other realm this kind of psychedelic community if you want um, and there are those who kind of um, align themselves with this community and, and, and are very much active but then there are others who have just had an influence with the psychedelic and perhaps without them really knowing it it's um, it's affected them and yeah. um, and, uh, and and changed them um, and so um, of course the implications of that are perhaps even even broader than um, the effect on a on a you know the um, treatment of mental health or or a discipline that seeks to understand the mind um, and so I think scientists in a way have a I think personally an obligation to uh, this uh, this is the way I feel now to address this sort of difficult um, other side of things because it's easy to say no I'll turn a, a blind eye to that it's an unwelcome distraction and I sort of feel that to some extent um, and I feel that if it if if the recreational use and the changes that can happen in that space can um, work such that it, it threatens the scientific research because in a way the progress that's happening at the moment isn't happening through recreational use it's happening through the um, uh, scientific um, research through you guys yeah and so I, I think you know we learnt I hope we learnt from the 60s in terms of the potential for things in that other space um, to um, impact on the progress being made in the scientific space but I think what we've learned and I think the um, psychedelic community if you want um, grasp this is that um, is the importance of this of you know of the scientific research and its firm foundations yeah. um, if we can show through scientific studies that actually these compounds can help us be more creative, yeah. see patterns and recognize new patterns and learn from them. Mm. Surely that's a very um, important uh, element for one to realize that these are important compounds, so not I, only yeah. for healing, but also for and so, creativity. And, and the problem is a bigger discussion about why why that is unacceptable. So, if, for example, if you sat in front of Donald Trump and said, I want to bring this in so people can be far more creative and with that we'll have a far more open, wonderful, carefree society. I mean, he's going to... We might you know, not be more carefree. We might be more just intense in making the world a better place. Yes, true. I mean, you know... Yeah, carefree is the wrong word. Yeah, yeah but yeah. still, um, I I was going to use the word I anarchic and I stopped using that word. Yes, I mean... I think it's very important, creativity, seeing reality as it is mm -hmm. and putting new associations together mm -hmm. so that we are growing, moving, thinking outside the box, improving. As, as much as possible, because granted everyone's a human being and has emotions and biases and such like, but as much as possible is, is, um, has a responsibility, I think, to sort of step back from the object of investigation in terms of investing too much uh, emotion in it and, and to try and appraise it in a accurate way and a way that where you will lend your ear to things that could be construed as being 
negative, for example. Yeah. And only by doing that will a scientific work be credible and then be acknowledged not just by enthusiasts who take it psychedelics and think they're amazing, but also by the wider scientific community, which is crucial. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we are in this interesting phase, this sort of transition um, of psychedelic science, which although you know enthusiasts think is wonderful and brilliant and set to change the world, psychedelic science as it is now transitioning into mainstream science and how it's going to be um, uh, what the relationship is going to be between mainstream scientific community mainstream psychiatry and those doing this research and so it's critical that we do it properly yeah. um, what's the goal then? what is the if there's an end goal or what when could you drop your pen down and, and do a six-hour day? When would you feel oh, your work is done? Is that know, never? It gets more and more because first, well, for the first 15 years, I was struggling to get this research going and yeah. struggling to change global drug policy. So it would try to base itself on evidence, not on prejudice and political expediency. Yeah. And now that that's really kind of taken root, as those things mm. now there's so much possibility for change and improvement yeah i find i'm still working a 15 hour day seven day a week because it's just so exciting all the different possibilities and the different researches what can open up and i mean obviously the big problem is always funding because yeah. even though we do research very minimally costing with many people putting in their work for nothing it's still a very expensive um occupation and, and for it to become, for it to become something that a therapist could use yes. with a, a, a patient, yes, in every day. So, for example, they've tried a couple of sessions, and then yes. the therapist goes, "Actually, I think this would be the best thing for you to do. I think yes. it will, could work and do some great things for you." Yes. For it to get to, to a situation like that, yes. how long are you talking? Like, is that oh, you're talking a? See, that's what even, we desperately need. Yeah. And actually, we're depriving patients of. Yeah treatments that are incredibly promising yeah. by holding it up yeah. and so what we should be doing is rescheduling these compounds at the moment they're in schedule one which means yeah. that they have no medical benefit whatever and are very dangerous yeah well this clearly is not so they're not nearly as dangerous as alcohol mm -hmm. and they clearly have medical benefits yeah. so the immediate thing should be to reschedule them to schedule two which the Home Secretary can do. In recent months, the US Food and Drug Administration has designated MDMA as a breakthrough therapy for post-traumatic stress. The FDA approving a large-scale trial of the drug MDMA, known on the street as ecstasy. And the Beckley Foundation is continuing its great work at the forefront of global drug policy reform and scientific research into psychoactive substances. And I just think it's really, really interesting that you grow up with the idea that something like this is seen to be the worst possible thing that you could take, like LSD is the worst possible thing that you could take. And now there's a humongous amount of research to demonstrate that that's not the case. That actually it has a really positive impact on people's lives. That people with depression are cured, people with anxiety, PTSD, people give up smoking cigarettes, people give up, you know, people who are alcoholics take it and suddenly it gets to the root of whatever the problem is and in months they are no longer alcoholics. It's, it's just interesting to me. I, I didn't know about it, that's it. You know, I didn't know about it, so, uh, and now I know about it, so. 
If you're interested in finding out more, go to the beckleyfoundation.org. And thanks to both Amanda and Robin for their time.